The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Okay, let's bow our heads in prayer for a second. Oh God, be gracious to us and bless us. Cause your face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. Let the peoples praise you, Lord. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the people with uprightness and guide the nations of the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Father, we look forward to the time when you do reign upon the earth. We look forward to the time that uh, you rule in justice and in truth. We pray, Lord, that you might uh, bless us this day, that you might show us your ways, that we might be a part of your kingdom, that we might be used by you to bring all to subjection unto you. To this end we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Morning. Good morning. <laughs> okay, first question. Do we live in a post-Christian era? Yeah. We do. You know, I really don't like that term post-Christian because it just, it bugs me. Like it means like it's the end, it's all over, and I don't agree with that. Also, it has a little bit of evolutionary tones to it, doesn't it? It's a natural progression. But, but So I don't like the idea, but it does talk about a truth. And I heard someone say once, it goes like this, the first generation knows and loves the Lord. The next generation, the second generation, knows the rules and the routine. And the third generation questions the rules and rebels. It is so important when you're raising your kids that you, you, you concentrate on the kids. So they just don't know the rules and the routines and just coming to church, but they learn to have a personal relationship with the Lord. Um, so how does this, how does this decline happen? Like it's, it's gradually, it's slow, but it's progressive. Uh, and last week we talked about grieving the spirit and quenching the spirit, and we're going to relate that to, to that. Um, the first, jo- the first uh, thing in the progression is that we grieve the spirit of, the, of God. And what we're referring to there is that we, uh, uh, we have one foot in the church, and we have one foot in the world. We're part of the world and the world has a pull to us, and it pulls our eyes away from the Lord. Um, James talks about being a double-minded man, and, and uh, uh, let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. And that's the first, first stage. So, now the second stage is we quench the Holy Spirit. And what that means is, that we extinguish the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Okay, uh, that's the progression of uh, Romans chapter 1. And what we do is we exchange uh, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ 
for the study of God. Or we exchange God's word, words for our catechism or creeds or daily devotionals or even theology. It can be a substitute for that personal relationship with the Lord. If we look in scriptures, the Talmud that the Jews had were referred to by the religious leaders at all times, the Pharisees. And what was Jesus' argument about? It was about uh, people that listening to the doctrines of man. It was the Talmud. Uh, I'm, I don't know what you're reading, and theology is good, but I tell you, you have to be in the Word of God. And you have to be in it every day. Um, and the last stage is, is blasphemy, where, where the church, even the church, becomes blasphemous. Okay, I was at a United Church funeral not too long ago, and uh, of a cousins of ours. And, uh, and I, to tell you the truth, I couldn't distinguish it as a Christian service. Like, it was more like Saturday Night Live, or more like... Um, in the night show with David Letterman. Like, they, there was no scripture read in that service, or very little scripture. There was no preaching. There was no gospel in it. It was, it was sad. And I look at the legacy of the United Church. This l- godly lady, this lady, had three children. Two of them are divorced. The sons are divorced and remarried. The oldest son, he, uh, he, his ex-wife was there and his ex-wife was greeting the people just like the rest of them as if she belonged and to tell the story about her is years ago she ran away with the United Church minister that was preaching in that church and she was female what is wrong with this picture a lot (laughs) you know uh Christian marriage, this whole idea about alternate marriages right now, it, it, is, it, is a, um, it is mocking God's image. We are created in the image of God. And the image is one woman, one man under God. Okay, the church. The church has become, in some cases... Um, it's a scorn. People don't look up to the church anymore. You've got, um, uh, instead of the church influencing the world around us, the world around us is influencing the church. Everybody can see that, right? No problem. Okay? So the next question is, how do we turn it around? Well, first of all, we repent, you know. Um, humble yourselves before the uh, Lord God, and he will lift you up at the right time. He will exalt you at the right time. Humble yourself. Confess your sins. You know, this, this, is, this is basic Christianity, by the way. The second thing we do from our study is we abide in Christ. Now, what does it mean to abide in Christ? I'd like to have some suggestions. Being led by the Spirit. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You get into God's Word. 
you read it. Abiding in Christ, you know, in John fourteen nineteen to 20, Jesus says, he says, I, he abides with the Father. He abides, the Father is in me, and I am in my Father, and this Holy Spirit abides in the thing. And then he gives us the privilege of binding, uh, abiding with the Trinity. That is an amazing thing that God would uh, include us in his work in his 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 trinity in his confidence okay like this is an amazing thing something that's not to be um taken for granted uh and then we have john 15 what's what's in john 15 everybody should know the vine so what we have is christ is the vine where are the branches in the vine and who's the hind vine uh, vine dresser god the father's vine dresser so we get in and we buy we abide with christ we uh we read his word we understand we grow in our knowledge and in our in our behavior and, and maturity in christ okay and what does god the father do he reminds us of things he cuts away at the things that are not necessary he and we, um, it's painful. He prunes us, and it's painful. He he works at us and molds us and tries to recreate us into the image of Christ. Um, it's a wonderful, it's a it, it's a wonderful process to be a part of, and it only happens when we abide in Christ. When we look into His Word when we are in tune with his spirit, okay? Um, and then the third step, third step here I have is let God, okay? Uh, if we look at the situation, what is God's job in this whole thing? God's job is, God's job is to draw all men to himself. Jesus Christ said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to, our, to, to myself, Okay, the Father in John, what's the verse? John 6, one of those references. John 12, 32, I think is the Father. Um, the Father says, nobody can, come to the, nobody can come to the Father or the Son unless the Father draws them. Okay, so it's their job to draw. It's not our job it's not our responsibility to bring all men to, to God. It is God's job. So what's our job in this whole process? First of all, it is to abide in Christ and to obey his commandments. You know, um, it's not Pastor Rick's fault, job to build his church. It's the job of God and the Holy Spirit. His job is to abide in Christ and to obey his commandments. And that's every one of our jobs to do that. Okay? So, any, any questions about that up to this point? I think I'm preaching to the choir. You mentioned this, and it's been sort of a recurring theme in our church about this idea of repentance, right? And uh, I think too many times we equate it with just the lost. But repentance and faith is for the believer every day. And we have to acknowledge when God is pruning, 
and he's cutting away from us the sin and, and the dross and all those things, then we have to repent. We have to humble ourselves. It, it, it all goes together. And it is a Christian life, and there's no getting away from that. No. It's an amazing thing, but you know when we when this when it talks about quenching the spirit and talking about um, grieving the spirit, who does Paul talk to about that? He's writing to the churches. He's writing to the church. He says he's warning the church that if you don't keep in the word, you will grieve grieve the Holy Spirit. If you look towards the world, if you can quench the power of the Holy Spirit in church, and I tell you, a church without the Holy Spirit going is a dying church. We have a real enemy in our flesh, and we live with it every day. If, if it doesn't, if we allow it to control us, we can't walk in the Spirit. Mm-mm. That flesh is nasty. Well, yeah, we're fighting the three fronts, eh? the world, the flesh, and the devil. And, uh, yeah, we conquer one at a time, I guess. That's because we don't want to admit our our our, our basic nature, yeah. right? Any other comments? Anyway, I want to get on to the. Uh, so how how do we how do we do this? How do we how do we turn the tide? And um, the title that I put on the on a lesson today is the secret to spirit spirit filled ministry. And what is the secret? What is the secret? We need to understand the spiritual gifts. And so you turn around, turn your paper to the other side, and you'll have them listed. So, in Scripture, we have three lists given to us by the Apostle Paul about spiritual gifts. Now, can you name them without looking at the sheet? Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. You got them. Okay. Good. Okay. We got three. We got three different distinct passages in Scripture that talk about spiritual gifts. Okay. Now, what people have done about spiritual gifts in the past, and and this is my disclaimer for this week. Most people stick them all together, and they talk about spiritual gifts, and they talk about adding to them, and and they just keep on going. Okay. And. uh, there's some merit to it. Because when you think about it, there are some really gifted people in the world. Okay? Like, um, uh, really gifted people. In fact, everyone is a creation of God. Everyone has been given abilities, what? To praise God and come to Him, right? So everyone in the world is gifted. So I'm going to mention a few people, and I can't find my notes here, and I'm disappointed, but anyway... Okay. So I'm going to name a, some person. Uh, John Taves. Remember John Taves? He was here. Like this is, he was a gifted fella. He could sit down at the piano and he could just play 
Uh, like he, he would go at a, before a church service, he would play, and he would just flow from one hymn to another. And we were watching him one day, and he's playing along, and all of a sudden he plays the theme song to Adventures in Odyssey. Did you guys know Adventures of the Odyssey? Odyssey, like it was really a kind of. We we sat back. I said, nobody, not everybody understood what was going on. They were saying, "What tune is that?" <laughs> but he would go, and then he play, and then he go back into a hymn. He just keep on playing. He was a very gifted people person. Now I was going to talk about two people in the Bible that were very gifted, and holo 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 anyway, and Bazael. Do you know who I'm talking about? The guy who built it, the, the, that were, he was given, they were, say their names. I think it's all, I, I thought it was a whole half in Baziel. Baziel, yeah. Baziel. Yeah, probably. Should talk about the Hebrew scholar here. How do you say those names? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're gifted people. And they would say, Scripture says that God gave them the ability to work with bronze, to gold and silver, and to work with wood and ornamental wood. And they were given the ability to create the tabernacle in the wilderness. But just remember the idea that God gave them the talent. Think of all the world. What has, what this last hundred years have brought to the world. That was God given. Whether you recognize it or not, whether the people who, who created or invented these things realize it or not, it was God-given. I'm going to mention one other guy here that's very gifted. There's a guy named Anthony Burris. Right, Buff? Yeah, Anthony Bur- Anybody heard of Anthony Burris? He is a very fascinating guy. He, he went to college. He's an Afro, Afro-American. He went to college. And he took Spanish as an elective. Okay, so they opened it up, started studying the thing, and he caught on real good. And within a month, he was speaking fluent Spanish to his teacher. So he says, well, this is pretty neat. So the next semester, he took French. About three weeks, he's speaking fluent fluent French. Now, wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like that? He has gone around, and and he's learned several languages in the world. In fact, if he's going to see people that he hasn't met before, he picks up the book, reads it, and by the time he gets there from the airplane, he's speaking the language. Now, here's my question. Does that guy have the gift of tongues? (laughs) Oh, yes, he does. He's got a gift for languages. Hmm? He's got a gift for languages, but he hasn't got a gift for tongues? Tongues is languages. Languages. Yeah, it's a gift, and it's a gift of tongues or languages, but it's not the gifts that's talking about in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. Okay, so, so everyone's gifted, and there's this great big set gifted people of the world. And Paul comes in and he gets these subsets. And uh, this is a subset in Romans 12. This is another subset in 1 Corinthians 12 and another one in Ephesians chapter 4. Okay, in each of these subsets, each, each subset itself has its certain rules or parameters. 
Each one does. Everyone is complete in itself. It's a complete list. And thirdly, every list is meant for the maturity of the believer, for the building up the church, and for the glory of God. So we have these three subsets, and we're going to deal with them uh, separately. First of all, uh, Romans 12, we can call, there's several names to it. You can call it the uh, motivational gifts, or you can call it character gifts, or personality gifts. Those, that's in Romans 12. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, we can call it... Um, uh, what was the title I have? Supernatural gifts. Let's put it at that. Okay, it's involving the spirit of God. And in chapter, in Ephesians chapter four, we have the ministry gifts. Okay, these are gifts or offices that are given to the church for the building up of the body. So first of all, I want to deal with um, um, uh, and well, I'll back up a little bit. And Paul, Paul identifies these gifts separately. If you turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, starting at verse 4, this is key to understanding spiritual gifts, okay? Paul writes here, like this... Uh, Chapter 12 is about uh, the spiritual or supernatural gifts. So in verse 4, he says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. What he's referring to here is Romans chapter 12. Then it says, And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. What he's referring to there is the list in Ephesians chapter 4. And then he says, And there are Variety of effects. Now, what does the King James say? Operations. But the same God who works all things in persons. In all persons. This he is referring there is to the uh, supernatural gifts in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Okay, having said this, we're going to first of all concentrate on Romans 12. There are... Seven gifts listed there. Okay? Now, I want somebody, I want some volunteers here. Pastor Rick's got his Bible open, so uh, I want somebody to read the gift in Romans chapter 6, verse 8. 12. 12, 12, 8. Yeah, I looked at my thing wrong. Just 12, 8. Okay, just a second. Let let me get there, and then... uh, Okay, twelve verse in chapter twelve, verse six. Okay, as seeing that we have gifts differing according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. And then it talks about prophecy. So I want one person to read the gift. I want Pastor Rick, if he would, to read the verse associated with it in verse nine. Okay, Paul writes these gifts out. He lists them. And then the next seven 
verses afterwards, he describes the gift. So I want somebody to read it, the gift, in, and then Pastor Rick will read the verse. So who's going to read the gift? Okay, I will. Okay, I'll read. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, and now you read verse nine. Let love be without dissimulation, for that which is evil cleave to that which is good. Let me tell you about the prophet. A prophet is black and white. He is either he's he he is for the truth. Okay, you know, uh, there is no gray area in there. He will tell the truth no matter what. That's what a prophet is all about. Okay, he abhors any uh, gray area. He hates hypocrisy. He wants the truth. Okay, the next one. If service in his serving. Every Yep. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Okay. The servant puts the other person ahead of him, okay? He looks, uh, He looks. his focus is the task. He sees a job that needs to be done and he does it, okay? It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, young or old, if there's a job. If you spill something on the floor, they've got a mop there in two minutes. They, they serve people, okay? That's the servant. The next one, he who teaches in his teaching. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Yeah. Uh, a teacher is one who loves research. He will go in there and he will research a top, top. His lessons can be long sometimes because he's done a lot of research and he wants to teach. He wants you to give the complete picture. He's the researcher. Okay. He who exhorts in his exhortation. Rejoicing in hope, patient tribulation, continuing instance in prayer. Okay. His idea is he wants result. The exhorter wants results and he and, and he and he talks. He he wants you to mature in Christ. So he will really work at presenting you with a challenge to go ahead. That's why he's uh, persecuted at times. You know, sometimes he pushes a little bit too hard and you sort of resist and go back and he says, Hey, I'm not going there. But anyway, the exhorter wants to see results. Okay? He who gives with liberality. Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Yeah, so there's, uh, uh, the, the giver is one who, who gives. Uh, they, may, uh, they may see somebody in need, so they'll get an envelope and write somebody's name on it and put it into the thing, put a little bit of money in there to help out. The very hospitable, the, this person is. They'll invite you for supper. They see a need, they want to fulfill it. They've got the resources to do it. They'll do that. Okay? He who leads with diligence. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Yeah. Okay, look at The leader, he's the guy that takes charge. There's a, some, there's a problem out there. He stands up and he takes charge. And he says, you do this. You do that. You can do this. Okay? Everybody else, pray for us. You know, like he takes charge and he organizes things. So, so like he can step on some toes there. So uh, that's the reason for the caution, okay? He, but he takes charge. He's the leader. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. 
This is a person who goes to the hospital to visit a friend, and uh, and they uh, and they and they identify with them, and they they can talk heart to heart with. Okay, this is the person that really cares. Uh, uh, they're, they're the nurse. They're not really nurses, but they take care of the spiritual needs of that person. So if you're rejoicing, they're rejoicing with you. You know, they they look. Now, Paul, I want you to understand that he he defines what he means by those gifts. Prophecy, mercy, exhortation, teaching, and stuff. Take a look at those gifts. If you had all those gifts, who would you be? (laughs) No question. That is the character of Christ. Okay? Now, Paul here, he's talking about it, and he says, Every one of you has got one of these gifts. At least one of these gifts. But every one of you should be striving to get the character of Christ. So all of these things you need to learn. Okay, in fact, Paul there, he gives instructions. He gives instructions all the way to the end of chapter 13, uh, after the end of chapter 12. He's giving instructions. So it's part of maturing the growing and everything. These are the character that you need to uh to develop into your lives, okay? Um, now, each one of you have got one of those gifts. And uh, so what happens if there's a situation, there's a default, okay? You go back to your original, what you're good at, and you start there. But you have to learn the character of Christ. Now, I've got a few more minutes, and we're going to go to First Corinthians. Gifts. There's difference in gifts, okay? Let's see. This is your gift. And I'm going to show you. I'm illustrating you the difference in gifts. Okay? Here's one. Steve, you've got the other one. Hurry up and open it up. Just rip in at the end and get her out. Just open the box end there. There's a difference in gifts, okay? Steve got a hammer. Carolyn got a rose. See the difference? You watch the trade? Do you see the difference in the gifts? That is a gift that Steve controls. He takes care of it. He's going to hammer. He's going to grow with it. He knows how to use it. He's going to serve the Lord with it. He has that all the days of his life. Carolyn, that rose is a gift for an occasion. Okay? You don't control that gift. Because I tell you that, in a few days, that's not going to be living. (laughs) Right? By the way, Valentine's Days are coming up. What kind of gift are you going to give your wife? A hammer. I I tried that. You know, my... I've tried that. My typical Christmas gift is a vacuum cleaner. I said, if you can't use it every day, what good is it? Right? But apparently, guys, women like things that die and, 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 or make them fat, one or the other. So chocolates or roses, you know, that's the way it goes. As long as they're alive when you give them. Yeah. <laughs> you don't control 1 Corinthians 12. You have no control over it. Who controls the gifts in the Holy Spirit? Yeah, you don't control them. So you take a look. Um, 
By the way, how would you, uh, uh, Jordan, I want to ask you, uh, what's the word, there's no gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I thought you'd have it right at the top. The word gifts is not, does not appear at, at, at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12. And now concerning spiritual gifts, the word gifts do not appear in the original language. In fact, if you looked up gifts and it says in Strong's Concordance, and you look at 1 Corinthians 12 where it says translated gifts, there's a blank. It's not there. The word is? Hmm? Yeah. What does it mean? Spiritual matter. So how would you, defi- how would you uh, t- define it? Uh, how would you translate it? Yeah, con- spiritual things. Now concerning the acts of the Spirit. Now concerning the manifestations of the Spirit. Now concerning the things pertaining to the Spirit of God. This is the Spirit of God that's working in chapter, in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Yes? And, and Tom, it's very interesting that he uses that phrase to people who are not spiritual. Mm-hmm. He, he's writing to the Corinthians who have real trouble in this area. He's about to show them what it means to be spiritual, the character of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Five minutes. Okay, the list is sitting there, and we're going to go through it. These list of people, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretations are... Are, are framed in by two verses. Verse 7 says, To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So this is the Spirit appearing in your life. In verse 12 it says, The same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Do you get it? Who gives the, who gives the gifts? It's the Spirit of God. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. And who chooses whether you get a gift or not? And that gift is for an occasion. Okay, it's nothing. Uh, um, it's nothing that you hold on. Let's go, let's go through them. Uh, wisdom. The first one is wisdom. Uh, the promptings of the spirit are so important. Uh, how many times have you gone through scripture and you're reading the scripture and something hits <coughs> you, stands out towards you, and you say, "You know what that is? That is a rhema from God." And rhema is the Greek word for. Where's my Greek scholars? It means word. It means the specific word for Christ. It means a word that's meant for you alone. That's Seremus. So you ask for a wisdom. Okay, second one, knowledge. Um, have you ever been out and, and all of a sudden you look at a person and you know exactly what's wrong? Where the Spirit of God says to you, hey, you need to pray for this person. Have, it, have you anybody ever experienced that? I came out of church one day and I was looking at a, uh, at, at a girl, a, a young lady was sitting in a car and she looked distressed. I, mean, I looked at her and I immediately knew what the problem was. And I could pray for her right there because I knew what her problem was. Anyway, I won't go into that. Faith. Uh, faith is a gift that God gives you, okay? I had this professor in school and uh, he said, if I catch anybody cheating... He says, you're out of the school. I'm going to get you kicked out of the school. So I'm sitting here, I'm, you know, looking at my notes before the exam. They end up the test paper, and I'm writing out the test. And I'm looking at, and all of a sudden I realize, here's my book, sitting open. I haven't looked at it. I wasn't a bad boy. <laughs> but I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, 
All this professor has to do is see me closing this book and I'm out of this university. And you know what I thought? God says, I, I said, God knows where I'm at. He has a purpose for me. And that purpose is going to be accomplished in my life, whether I'm kicked out of university or not. And I had the peace of God. That's all I am. It's a gift of faith. Okay. We need a gift of faith more often. Okay. Healing. Is the gift of healing for today? Nobody's answering? No. Sometimes. You don't think so? And God can still heal when he wants to. But it's his choice, not man who can stand up and say. I don't believe in faith healers. But I believe that God can heal anytime, anywhere, anyplace. Yeah. yeah. I tell you, there's healing. God heals today. It's yeah. a gift given on occasion. Yeah. Okay? Uh, like, I wouldn't be here today... If there was no healing, because I had an incurable disease when I was 17 years old. Okay? Like, and the Kim, I'll come to your point, you're absolutely right. There is no such thing as a faith healer. You look at the, the uh, variety of ministries, and it says there's apostles. Those are people that have planted the church. Okay, that's uh, the guy down in Dominican Republic, Eves. Is, is, that, that, that's what he sounds like to me, okay? There's a prophet. He's the one who speaks the truth from the pulpit. There's evangelists. They want to have results. They're, they're exhorters. Then there's pastors and teachers. They're the ones that, uh, that uh, look into God's... Uh, they're, they're the ones that take care of the people and teach people the doctrine. There is no faith healers there. Okay? There is no miracle workers listed in there. And I have to tell you one other thing. If somebody says that I have the gift of tongues, that's a misnomer. Because tongues is a gift from the Lord. And it's always given in situations where it edifies the church and edifies the believer. Okay, so don't say that I have the gift of tongues because you don't understand the gifts there, okay? Now, I know that's controversial, but I'm just saying, is, is there tongues today? You, she doesn't think so. Uh, I say, if the Lord gives you it, you accept it, okay? Uh, prophecy, have you ever known what's coming up next? Has the Lord ever got... Well, yeah, prophecy's in the Bible. But in a situation, have you ever had a situation where uh, you knew what was going to happen? I, I told my pastor once, uh, former pastor, I said, I said, watch out for this guy because this is what's going to happen. And you know what happened? It happened. And then he came to me and said, I never saw it coming. I said, I tried to tell you. you know, I, I, I. And then other times, then it happened to me. Did I see it coming? Not, in a ch- not a chance. Discernment. Knowing who's the, the, what the, discerning the spirits. Important. You know, my time's up. Has this been helpful? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we're sitting around the table. We're sitting, uh, we were sitting, we we're discussing spiritual gifts. We, we do this uh, quite often. It was stuff. And we said, I said, what's Pastor Rick's gift? And you know, everybody in that room said the same thing. Then I said, okay, what's Pastor Dan's gift? And everybody in the room said the same thing. That's your homework for this week. Figure out what gifts that they have.
I'd be interested to know.